Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the POD cast, the pride of Detroit podcast, which you can catch on all of your podcasting platform now streaming live both on YouTube and Twitch. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am filling in for the adequate host, Chris Perfett, who is not feeling so adequate at the moment. We wish him well and the best, but we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're, we're going to recap Lions Raiders, but we're going to lead off the show, of course, with NFL trade deadline talk, the, the deadline has come and passed. The Lions made a move, certainly not the move that I think a lot of people were hoping or expecting for. We're going to break it down, whether we're disappointed, excited, somewhere in between. My name is Jeremy Raisman, as I said, uh, at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, our co-host, our rock god, mm-hmm. our senior editor, and are at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. How are we doing, Ryan? Back is the rock guy. Uh, doing well, man. The bye week, well deserved. Well deserved. From us or the team? All around. All around. <laughs> All around. <laughs> bye week for everybody. Yes. Well, soon, maybe. We'll yeah. get there. It, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's quite there yet, but we'll get there. Um, filling in for me, I, I guess, since I'm shifting over to hosting duties for this show, uh, you know him from our YouTube channel. You know him for our film breakdowns over on prideofdetroit.com. You know him for just being an awesome guy who who lives in Detroit, knows every damn thing about the city. And you know him as mcannon313 on Twitter. Morgan Cannon is here. Morgan, how we doing, buddy? We're doing good, guys. It's The lines are six and two. There's snow flurries. I got the beanie on still. <laughs> so we're ready to go. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, let's let's you know, let's jump right into it here. Uh, the NFL trade deadline, as I said, have has come and passed. Um, the Lions get Donovan Peoples Jones for a sixth round pick. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but obviously, a lo- 
kind of an active day. I believe there was eight total trades on Tuesday. Um, some of the big names did come off the board. Some of the big names did not come off the board. Um, most notably, I guess, Montez Sweat and Chase Young, um, two edge rushers. Some other names here and there, but those were kind of the big names that at least some people were hoping for the Lions to get. So um, I'm going to throw it to you first, Ryan. What's your overall thoughts on a Lions making just kind of a, a small splash instead of a, a, a cannonball, let's say? Um, right move, wrong move, underwhelmed, overwhelmed. How are you feeling? Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, I'm pretty whelmed. I'm pretty <laughs> whelmed. You know okay. what I mean? Like I don't I, like I'm obviously I, I think that the Lions had an um they had a need for the kind of player that DPJ is, right? Like I think that with Marvin's um with Marvin's sudden retirement or stepping away from football, I should say, um as he as he stepped away from the team, the the next guy up was Antoine Green, right? And and I think what that really I think what this move let us as Lions fans know was that Antoine Green is probably not quite there yet. And the Lions wanted an insurance policy. And you talk about the wide receiver position. Yeah, they have Amon Ross St. Brown. But after that, I mean, I I guess maybe we were in the I guess we were kind of maybe under the impression that Jameson Williams wouldn't have got off to such a slow start. Um, Not saying that him and DPJ in terms of uh, what they bring to the team. Um, are are kind of like one to one comps, but I, th- I think just having another uh, steady presence in in uh, in that wide receiver room was something that the Lions wanted to, uh, you know, kind of bolster and, and make sure that they weren't going to get caught with their pants down after the trade deadline. If you know, if they were to incur another injury, right? If Josh Reynolds um, were to incur an injury, well, you know, there is no DJ Shark in the waiting, um, you know, coming back from IR like there was last year, right? So yeah. I, I I really think that this was a move kind of made as, um, you know, hey, we get some more depth. We have a contingency plan in, in case something happens, but uh, depth is an important thing in the NFL. And, you know, DPJ fills, fills, a, uh, fills a role. What about you, Morgan? Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, it's not it's not the move everybody wanted when everyone was getting really excited about the trade deadline. But at the end of the day, this is a position that the lines were thin in. If someone did, you know, God forbid, go down. Um, I was hoping that, you know, we're going to get into it, but I was hoping they could have maybe added another outside corner. That would have been nice to make me sleep a little bit better at night. But this helps, man, just because. You know, God forbid Josh Reynolds misses time or something along those lines. Like then, you know, DPJ can play a bunch of different roles. He has special teams experience. He's a Detroit kid, obviously, as we know, Michigan guy. So I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think I'm a little bit lower on it than all of you guys. I I mean, I I was kind of OK with the receiver room, even without Marvin Jones, because you have a bunch of versatile pieces. If 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 you lose. Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond can play on the outside. He played a ton of it last year. Um, J-Mo can play more on the outside if if it comes to it. I'm not that bummed if Antoine Green is getting more time. I do think you're right, though, Ryan, that that's kind of how I read the situation, too. I know there are some people that might read it as, uh-oh, J-Mo, um, which I think is way too premature. I think I think the Lions still think, even though J-Mo is continuing to struggle out there on, on Sundays and, and Mondays, um, I think there's still plenty of hope there obviously they didn't move him which some people suggested which i think was kind of ridiculous um but yeah like what morgan was kind of leaning into at the end like the true place where this team is very thin provably thin is corner is outside corner and 
I wasn't expecting a splash and it didn't look and, and, you know, now that the dust has settled, it didn't look like there was a ton of corners that were truly available. You know, Jalen Johnson was out there, but the Bears must have been asking for something big because he's a he's a very talented guy. And the fact that they weren't able to move him um, shows me that they were asking probably for a first round and more. And the Lions weren't willing to give that up. And I think some of the quotes here that that Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell said made it clear that this, this if they were going to make a move, it was going to be very calculated. It was probably going to be very modest. Th- this team was never going to give out a second round pick, a first round pick. And and I know people are upset. Monta Sweat goes inside the division to Chicago Bears, who are apparently both buyers and sellers at this point. Um, and and obviously, I, I think the, the thing that is hurting everybody, and, and understandably so, is that NFC contenders got better, is that some of these t- some of these guys that everyone wanted went to NFC contenders. And now it suddenly looks like, oh, the Lions aren't taking this seriously. Oh, the Lions, the Lions aren't showing that they are true contenders. They don't have that competitive spirit, which that's a step too far. But I think you can like, it's fair to be upset when Chase Young goes to the 49ers, right? Yeah. And I, you know, it's, you kind of have to add context. Like with anything, the Niners, for instance, have been good for how long now? Like they've been flirting with the Super Bowl and the NFC championship since like 2018. You know, it's been a while. So like, I get them being really aggressive Um, you know, I get some of these, you know, teams that have been, had their quote unquote window open for a while being really aggressive, but it's just, I don't know. I do not want to pull the trigger too early if you're Brad Holmes, right? Well, yeah. And that's okay. And let's just pull some of the quotes here because I think they're very telling and and hopefully, I mean, this isn't going to sell everybody. People are still going to be upset when, when Chase Young goes for a third round compensatory pick. So not even a, a low third round pick. It's, it's the lowest of third round picks. That that's going to be a tough pill for some people to swallow, but here's here's to me the the key things that both Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell said, and and let me start with Dan Campbell because I think maybe his was almost more telling. He says, "Quote: Brad and I said from day one, man, we have a plan in place that we don't want to alter. We don't want to mess with that, and we're in year three of this thing right now, our beginning of year three, and everything had to be right." This is what they've said every part of the process. We have a plan in place. We don't want to stray from that plan. And it, and I mean, he's telling you, they're still not in that phase where they think they need to go all in. They are, and I said it a week before the trade deadline. Ed. This team is just their window is just now opening, and they don't want to dig into their future picks. I know a day around three doesn't sound all that expensive, but. If you've trusted Brad Holmes this entire way and you've seen the way he's drafted on day two, how can you not continue to trust this guy's plan? Yeah, they 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 were a at this time last year, they were one in six and now they are a top NFC contender. Everything they've done every single step of the way. Has been the right way to do it, and they want sustained success, and I know Lions fans, listen, we've waited 70 years for a winner. And now that we have a little bit of taste of it, we just want to grab that. We just want to take the bull by the horns and be like, this is ours. This is our year. Look at the NFC North. It's bad. Look at the rest of the NFC. Bad. You know, the, the opportunity is there. This, this organization doesn't want to look at that and this is our window. We got to grab it. No, 
our window is always going to be open. We don't care if the NFC North gets better because we're still going to be better. You st- Listen, if you're going to throw all your chips in, it's not even just about winning the NFC. You got to win the whole damn thing. So yeah. can you catch the, the, the Chiefs? Can you ch- catch the Ravens? Can you catch? I don't know. Maybe you can. But I, I think this regime has earned at least a little bit of trust and a little bit of faith that you might need to be at least a little bit more patient. And that's not to say the Lions can't win the Super Bowl this year. They're still a really talented roster. How many? I mean, you add. Does does one guy always make the difference? No, this team always talks about the team, the team, the team, the team. Maybe I mean, maybe you go out and like the the Bills last year. You go out and get what's his name, the pass rusher that gets injured in the Thanksgiving oh, game. Von Miller. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe it backfires in that way. The Lions don't want to take that risk right now because they are continuing to build. Yeah. So I yeah. I, I mean. I'll step down from my podium here, but I just <laughs> I just think people are getting a little bit crazy thinking this team absolutely needs to go all in right now and 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 try to win a damn Super Bowl. While also ignoring the fact that they can still win a Super Bowl without one additional player. Yeah, it, it, it kind of seems almost like the argument that people were making. Um, if you if you remember right, uh, the the offseason in between 21 and 22 when it was, hey, the Lions have cap space. There was some promise at the end of the season. Maybe they can hit the ground running and contend in the NFC North. Look at what the Bengals were able to do, right? Right. And I I think that there might be some of that. Well, you know, the Bengals, they flipped it around and they went to the Super Bowl because they went all in on free agents and getting new names. And sometimes it it feels really good uh, for that pleasure spot in your brain to see chase young's name being dangled out there. And it's like, okay, like that's the guy that we want opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. And that would solve all of the lions problems. If they had just one player that they could add. Um, I, I, I think the thing to center people and to bring people back to reality is man, if you watch Monday night's game, isn't it going to be good when this team gets Jonah Jackson back healthy and Frank rag now back healthy and David Montgomery back healthy and there, there's just a laundry list of names and players and guys at key spots, right? That if the Lions get a little bit healthier, I mean, today there was a small little bomb, you know, that Dan Campbell dropped where he's like, hey, you know, James Houston's break, it was pretty clean. So, you know, we're thinking we might be able to get him back. I mean, we're he said that we're talking about December, right? right. But like, okay, like how awesome would it be to, <laughs> guys, we're, <laughs> we're less than a year removed from when James Houston exploded onto the scene right around Thanksgiving. Right. Like, so I, I think you think about getting some of those players in the fold back that are big time contributors. Like I, I mentioned it going into the Monday night game, like, Hey, I'm really interested to see how Ben Johnson a- adapts the offense without Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnow and David Montgomery. What's it going to be like when those guys get back, right? Like we watched the dominance in the Green Bay game. We watched the dominance um, that 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 running game has been able to establish an offensive identity for the Lions that, frankly, they've just kind of been missing the past few weeks, right? And 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 I think just that idea of getting players back healthy and back into the fold for a team that, you know, a few weeks ago we were saying top three team, not yeah. in the NFC, in the NFL, right? right? Obviously, the Ravens kind of put that into a little bit of a tailspin, but I just want people to know that like reinforcements are coming and they're they're going to be back in a big way for a team that if they can get back to being 
it's an offensive league, right? Yep. If the if the Lions can score points, they're going to be in football games, and they've proven that they can do that. Yeah, you're not going to, you know, there's just going to be those weeks. The Ravens game is an outlier. I kind of just take it as such. They Monken hit the Lions with the kitchen sink kind of like stuff that they just hadn't seen. Um, so I still think the Lions are a top team, and I agree with everything you said, Ryan. Now, like they'll get so many people back, like late in the season, if you can get guys like James Houston and CJ Gardner Johnson back, like that would be massive huge, for this team. Huge. <laughs> huge. And I want to remind people, they're like, it's a third round pick. Brad Holmes with third round picks so far has produced guys like Aleem McNeil and Kirby Joseph, man. So like we kind of need to slow down with, it's just a third round pick, right? Like, um, well, and then the, Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, and the other thing is it's not just a third round pick for chase young. Because you are also going to hand that man a ginormous a contract, bag. and that's going to pre- that it's not going to prevent you from signing your other players that that are due. You know your Amon Ra's, your Panay Sewell's, your Jared Goff's, your Jonah Jackson's. All these guys that are their extensions are right around the damn corner. It's going to make it a lot harder to fit all those guys. Those guys that brought up in the system. Those guys that you said through the last two years are, are cornerstones to your franchise suddenly you might be pushing some of those guys out for Chase Young, a guy who I will remind you is an enormous injury risk, correct? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been available for a lot of, that's been one of the major holdups of his career getting off to the way it probably should have gotten started at Ohio State. He just can't stay on the field consistently. So, um, and the one thing I do want to chime in on the, just the philosophy that we're discussing is like, they've always said, like in so many words, their goal is to be like the Ravens, right? Like they're good every year. It's a program. Like they, there's not a, like, there might be years where they're really good. There might be years where they're eh, but they're never bad because it's a great program. They want to be a team like the Ravens. They're not like the Rams. So. That's all right. It. I mean, it, yeah. and, and I guess the one other thing to, to kind of put a bow on all this is like, are the Washington Commanders really going to trade away a premier edge rusher? This is this is a this is a position where those guys do not hit the open market, right? Right. I mean, did we see Brian Burns get traded? Are the Carolina Panthers a really good football team? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I mean, even going back to last year, right? Like the 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 whole rumor was two first round picks, and that wasn't enough for the Carolina Panthers. Chase Young gets traded for a third round pick. I I'm I'm I'm. I'm just trying to I'm trying to do the math. I'm trying to do the calculus on that. But I I, I think the the point, Jeremy, that you brought up is the point that I've kind of maintained throughout the entire trade deadline process. Right. Is like Brad and Dan are committed to doing this thing the right way. And why would you take away the greatest asset that this organization has utilized for the past two off seasons? Accumulating talent through the draft. Right. Three off seasons. Right. I mean, gosh. And and yeah, I think I think that whole bit about. You know, maybe these pass rushers aren't exactly what the Lions want or, or who they think some other teams are because Dan and Brad basically said that. Like they didn't name names, obviously, but here's another quote from Dan Campbell says, There are some players that you may not even know about that could be perceived as very, very good players, but maybe the tape's not there. And then Brad Holmes comes and says, Um, let me pull it real quick. Uh da, 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 da. shoot, I lost it. Um Okay, so those name those same names that you see pop up when you start getting into conversation conversation, it doesn't work out for the best for us. You know, there are names, but often that's not reality. They're saying 
They're basically telling you some of those names out there, they're not as good as their name. They're not as trustworthy as their name. Maybe they're not as good of a culture fit. And again, you can disagree. You can say, you know what? A Chase Young is worth the injury risk. He's worth not being a perfect culture fit. But the Lions have had a plan and they stuck by it. And they're a six and two football team because of it. And so I just think there needs to be a little bit more trust in this regime. I'm not saying you have to have blind faith. Not saying you can't have your own opinions. I'm saying if 48 hours ago you thought Brad Holmes was the best thing that happened to the Detroit Lions, you cannot turn on him like this because he didn't do what you exactly wanted at the trade deadline. We don't even know if some of those were options. We don't know if, if, if Chase Daniels would have come here. We don't we don't know any of this. We don't know if if they would have taken the Lions as third over the 49ers, you know, comp third. We don't we don't know any of that. And no, so, but, I just, but we do know that Dan said that Brad was, I mean, what tons of phone calls, right? Like right. he's like, he's, he's working the it. phone. He's yep. doing it. It's not like he didn't do his due diligence. Right. right? So um, can we just real quick back Did to say Chase Daniels, Chase, sorry, Chase Young. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the, the only team that was it, this is a great segue. Yeah. The only team that was in the market for a quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, <laughs> right? right? There we yeah. go. Yeah, let's let's talk NFC North because the NFC every team Bizarre. in the NFC North uh, oddly got involved. We we get the Bears, uh, as we said before, getting Montez Sweat in kind of a curious deal. The Vikings uh, they send away guard Ezra Cleveland or Ezra. Wait, two, did he go to the Browns? He did, right? Ezra Cleveland no, to the Browns. No, no, no. Did I mess that the, up? Minnesota traded Cleveland to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars, Correct. that's right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> um, and But they they received Joshua Dobbs uh, for a sixth-round pick. And then the Packers uh, send a starting corner, a good starting corner, Rasul Douglas, uh, for a fifth. Uh, Rasul Douglas and a fifth uh, for a third-round pick in return. Um, let's start with Sweat real quick, and, and we gotta got to hurry through this one. And then on the other side, in, in, in the start of segment two, we'll talk a little more Donovan Peoples-Jones, but um, let's start with Montez Sweat. Uh, how, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, no one really expected the Bears to be buyers here, but in a way, it makes a lot of sense. One, they have a lot of draft capital. Two, they have a ton of cap space. So while it looks weird that you're taking a rental on Montez Sweat for a second round pick, they're almost guaranteed to give this guy an extension because they have to spend, like they have so much cap space that they literally have to spend it to at the minimum. And so they'll overspend for Montez Sweat, even if he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, couldn't they have just done that in free agency? Why no. did they need to get him in the building right now and surround him with this losing culture <laughs> and a head coach that's on the hot seat? But in all seriousness, okay. right? like, that's a good point. Tra- why are you trading a second round draft pick for a guy that you could pay Buku bucks to in the offseason? Well, if you there. could, well, you can overpay him all you want. Right. You just but you don't know he's going to make it there. Right. If he gets traded somewhere else, maybe they give them the extension. I feel like you got to run the risk, man. Right. You know like, what I mean? Like, yeah, Montez Sweat is not like the generational talent where you have to be like, keep your hands off. He's ours. Can you draft a Montez Sweat in the second round? I think so. <laughs> maybe like, yeah, that, I, that's a fair point. It just seems like more just general buffoonery from the Chicago Bears. So <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Morgan? Uh, yeah, I don't they're just they're obviously not winning anything of importance this year. So I'm in I'm with Ryan. I'm just like, why the urgency, I guess, and Jeremy's point too. Like I'm not I don't think Montez Sweat is Miles Garrett or you know anything close to that. Like I think he's a good player. Um, but 
Yeah, it's uh I'm just not really sure what their what the plan is. I think they might be flailing a little. Is this what you would categorize as flailing? Uh yeah, Maybe. I mean you kind of set precedent when you traded a second round pick to get Chase Claypool. No, he's not on your team. That's a that's a tough situation. Hmm. Wonder what's gonna happen with Montez Sweat. Man, if they can, if they can't sign him to an extension. <laughs> Oh boy, uh, yeah. I mean, oh. maybe this is Ryan Poles, like his his flailing here, where it's just like he, I got to make a move. This might be my last few months on the job. Let me let me try to do something that'll get people excited and and hopefully save my job. Come you know January when we're we're golfing over there. Um, <laughs> Rasul. I mean, we don't need to get too much into Rasul Douglas. It, it is interesting to see the Packers kind of forgive the pun, pack it in a little bit, wave the white mm. flag as, as Morgan is doing. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about Josh Dobbs. Cause I think that's maybe the most impactful um, in the immediacy in terms of, okay, like they're not going to start Josh Dobbs right away, but he's probably eventually going to be their starter this year for the rest of the year. Um, how scared are you of Minnesota? Remember they, they still have a very easy schedule ahead of themselves. They're two games, obviously behind the lions. Do they got, do they have a shot? with Josh Jobs as the quarterback? Uh, no, I'm going to go with a no. I just, I, they're kind of, it's like different. The other teams in the NFC North are at different stages of the grieving process. <laughs> like the Packers are done. They're like, all right, we're done. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and pack this in. Um, you know, and then the Vikings are like, we have a shot, you know, the Bears are just doing the Bears. They're just doing the Bears things. And the, Bears yeah, it's just, just I don't think chaos <laughs> is one of these stages of grief. But uh but yeah, instance, the Vikings are definitely in bargaining at this point, right? Right. They're trying to figure out like how could we, you know, stretch out this hope over another month or so. Um, but I just can't I don't know. Can you guys see Josh Dobbs being that dude in Minnesota? I I'm gonna say that just from the mobility standpoint, I don't like it. Right. Like sure. he's he's Fair. more he's more of a mobile quarterback than Kirk Cousins could ever be. I mean, he's obviously not the level of, uh, you know, passer that Kirk Cousins is and was. And I mean, but here's the thing. I, Cousins was playing like for the most part, really, really well. Right. Like this season, he was kind of planting his flag is like, no, like I like I am one of those guys. You know, the team is, you know, not what it has been in previous years. But I mean, to 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 the Vikings credit, to to Cousins credit, like still had them like in the hunt, right? Like they're yeah. on the graphic, they're sure. on the graphic. But yeah. I think that it, it's a clear step down. Um, and it is kind of strange though. On the same day that you trade to get a quarterback, uh, you you send away, you know, Ezra Cleveland, who I mean is at least like solid offensive line depth. Sure, you know, like he's going to Jacksonville to play. Yeah, I I like Josh Dobbs a lot. I think I think he's an awesome guy, a really cool story. And I think he's not a horrible quarterback, but I think we have to come and and admit that Kirk Cousins was the entire identity of that offense. I know I know we like to talk about their their wide receivers. I know we like to make fun of Kirk Cousins not being able to play in big games, but he was having an outstanding season. He was playing like a top five quarterback. He's been a top 10 quarterback for much longer than most people are willing to admit. And this is a ginormous step down. Now, I think Kevin O'Connell is a good coach. I think he's a good offensive mind. I think they're going to have to change on the fly here, though. I think they're going to have to change who they are. They're going to have to change their offensive identity. And that's going to take time to click. 
And so I, I think I think they could sneak in as a wild card still. The the NFC is shallow enough where I, I don't know if there's any teams, maybe an NFC South team that can sneak in. Um, you know, we, we assume that an NFC West team and an NFC East team will get in as two wild cards. That last one is is probably going either to an NFC South team, a bunch of mid teams in that division, or the Vikings. And so they can sneak in, but they're 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 not coming for the lines this year. They just can't. No. Yeah, I you have no Jefferson for how long? At least a while longer, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I just can't see they would have to just construct a pretty unique and awesome offense on the fly for Dobbs to win like more than a hit, like you know, to win a bunch of games down the second half of the season. In my opinion, that's just the way I look at the Vikings. Yeah, and and for the Vikings to have a shot at the division, they have to beat the Lions twice. In my right. opinion, yeah. probably. And that I don't, just I don't happen. That's not going to happen. The Vikings aren't going to catch the Lions, but you know what you can catch the Lions with? Uh, beef jerky. That's right. Not just any old beef jerky. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Because the Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. That's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available literally at Allen Park in their training facilities. It's part of their program to get them protein. How much protein, you may ask? Well, each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. And believe me, you can pound one of those bags in a meal. That's a lot of protein. I mean, that's that's enough protein for a meal. 20 grams. Yeah. Hey, why can't craft beef jerky be a meal? Jeremy, why can't it be? Who's to say? I break break those social stigmas. Listen, everyone's going to be pounding crunch bars, Snickers bars, not enough protein. I would say fill your your kids goodie bag with righteous felon craft jerky. It's it's a little too late for that. But you know what? Instead of instead of going to your CVS the day after and getting all your 50% off candy, <laughs> get yourself some righteous felon instead. If it's and good enough can, for your Detroit Lions, good enough for you. And you can get it at a discounted rate too. <laughs> That's right. That's a great point because guess what? We got a discount code. A coupon code, if you will. If you go into the checkout at RighteousFelon.com and type in POD15, 15% off. Really good prices already. You get one of them big sampler boxes that has like 12 different flavors in it. It's like 50 bucks. Use POD15. It's less than that. I'm not going to do math live on on this show. It will be less. It will be less. Uh, Morgan, do you have something to say? No, I was just reaffirming it will be less. It will be less. Oh, thank you. Uh, by the way, Rachel Feldman is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all natural beef, all natural beef, uh, all natural black Angus beef and pride itself on superior quality, revolutioning branding and those unique flavors that I was just talking about that go beyond your stereotypical jerky offering. Please go to RighteousFelon.com, POD15 for 15% off. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Donovan Peoples-Jones. We'll get into the Lions Raiders recap and talk about the future when we come back on POD Guest.
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the POD cast. I almost said first bite because I'm so used to do that. But um, we we talked a lot about what the Lions didn't do at the trade deadline on the first segment. Let's let's talk about the one thing that they did do. We talked about it a little bit, but let's talk more uh, of Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think we understand why the Lions made the move. We covered that. You know, they, they need a, a, a guy that they can trust now that Marvin Jones is gone. Need a, an extra body there that can also provide on special teams. But let's talk about the player himself and, and what you guys think of Donovan Peoples-Jones at the Lions get good value in a 2025 sixth round pick, which uh, is event essentially not that much. Um, but Ryan, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Like, what are your thoughts on Donovan Peoples-Jones? Is he a good fit? Um, what do you expect out of him? Is is this kind of a situation where maybe the Lions got a little bit more than their, the bang for their buck here? Yeah, I think that's a good point to bring up is you have a player who's coming in to this team who people had expectations for bigger names, right? And then you get Donovan Peoples-Jones and it almost seems like a bit of a letdown. But I think that going back and looking through some of uh, the advanced numbers um, for him as a wide receiver, a few things I really like, right? Like he he can play in the slot. He can be a big body slot receiver. So he has versatility. Obviously the Lions are going to covet him because of his ability to line up out wide. Um, The thing that I really like about him is that he's a downfield target who's all about contested catches. Um, In 2021, he actually ranked fifth in uh, contested catch rate amongst all NFL wide receivers, um, which is pretty darn impressive, uh, if you ask me. The other thing, too, though, um, in 2021, he was fourth among receivers in in ADOT. So, like, he's a guy who gets targeted downfield. Yeah. Again, like if you want an offense to create some explosive plays, why not go out and get a guy who can make those happen? I, I've seen other things said about him too, right? Like they really like his um, uh, his willingness to be to be a run blocker, and um, you know he kind of does like all the little things. Oh, shocker! Like this is the guy that the Lions were interested in in you know actually pulling the trigger on making a deal. So um, yeah, those are my initial impressions. I love that he's a he's a downfield threat. I love that he's a contested catch guy. 
again, those are numbers from 2021. What has kind of gone awry a little bit? Is it quarterback play in Cleveland? Is it, you know, all these other things? There, there could be a lot of factors going on. So maybe the Lions, maybe this isn't a Trinity Benson situation is what I'm right. trying to say. Well, right. And I mean, he has an 800 yard season under his belt. So it's definitely not a Trinity Benson situation. But yeah, yeah, I think it's fair to at least be a little bit concerned given everything that's going around in Cleveland. Maybe you just give a complete pass, but he only has eight catches for 97 yards this year in, in seven game appearances, five starts. That's bad. I mean, that's that's Marvin Jones numbers, um, which, um, you know, I that's the guy he he is definitely essentially filling his role. So, um, but I don't know, Morgan, what, what are your thoughts on him? I don't know if you've gotten a, a chance to de- do a deep dive on him at all yet, but um, where do you, where you like his fit? Maybe where, where do you think maybe you're underwhelmed if there is somewhere? You know, I agree with everything that Ryan brought up. Like he does everything well, like that a lot of these guys in the Lions organization like covet, right? So I'm sure Brad Holmes has, you know, scouted uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones dating back to his days at at Michigan, right? And a lot of Detroiters in Michigan, you know, people are going to be familiar with him, played at Cass Tech. uh, So he's a local kid. Um, yeah, he does everything. He can play special teams because I don't think he's going to come in and see like a big chunk of the snap share. I'm not sure what you guys think in that regard, but I don't, you know, I think it's just another body that they have in case something were to happen, like we talked about before we got on. Uh, so yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, I guess underwhelmed. I, th- I know we brought it up a little bit earlier. I know it would have been nice to add an outside corner. Uh, to that, just, you know, to bolster the ranks there. But yeah, otherwise I'm I'm good with the trade. Yeah. And I think it has a chance to have some sneaky upside, right? If this is a guy that that's capable of a 60 catch 800 yard season, it's capable of doing it again under a really good offensive coordinator and a much better quarterback than he's probably played with. Um, and so, you know, I'm not, not necessarily saying it's a Josh Reynolds type of move because Josh Reynolds obviously had that built in chemistry with Jared Goff. And that's the thing that I think is going to take the longest for Donovan Peoples-Jones to get going on offense. But it's a guy that is capable. He, he's got all the grittiness that, that that Ryan outlined. And it's the last year of his contract, but he like the, the next 10 games are a tryout for him to get re-signed. And listen, the, the Lions reward guys that, that work hard and go at it. And if he does all of the right things, it would not surprise me at all for the Lions to re-sign him to a very affordable deal. And Maybe he eventually does become kind of the Josh Reynolds when when Josh Reynolds course uh, uh, on this team is gone. I mean, he's a young player. He's a guy that has talent. He's a guy that has production in this league. You take a sixth round flyer on a guy that might not contribute that much this year, except for special teams and might down the road become a two or three. I'm cool with that. Oh, yeah. Very cool. I'm on. I'm on board. All right. Let's switch gears here. Let's time travel 24 hours back in time talk a little bit about the monday night football game chris uh did a great job breaking it down on our kind of quick reactions podcast last night but let's uh let's talk about it uh, us three here because it's kind of an interesting game uh, the way i keep saying it is this was a game that lions fans wanted blood i think after the ravens game you're, you're just you want to take out your frustration on the team and, and everyone knew that this was not a good Raiders team and they just wanted an absolute blowout. They wanted them to take them rail to rail. And I guess my question to you guys was, was that the sacrifice that Lions fan did, did the Lions get their team sacrifice that they were looking for? Or was that a little bit of a letdown for either of you guys? 
I don't think it was a letdown. I think they the Lions dominated that game from from the jump. Like they got on a minus that one drive that the Raiders had where they ran the ball surprisingly well all of a sudden where they haven't all year. I don't know yeah. what got into them there. It's like they got some superpowers for a second. But I think the Lions, like Lions fans should feel pretty satiated, to be honest. Like the crowd was buzzing last night. It was loud in there. Um, but I think they got it just sprinkled with some turnovers, some really bad turnovers that we'll, you know, for sure get into. Yeah, I, I think to to Morgan's point, like that was probably the point of uneasiness that really shook me was the way that, and Jeremy, you pointed it out on Twitter, but like seemed just like Las Vegas was controlling the line of scrimmage on offense and defense there for a hot second, right? Yeah. And like the Raiders just kind of, they kind of methodically moved down the field to Morgan's point about, you know, Josh Jacobs all of a sudden is, you know, 2022 Josh Jacobs and the Raiders are moving people and the game's close. Oh man, we might have a little bit of a football game on our hands. And then Jimmy Garoppolo decided to um, continue putting up worse numbers than Jamarcus Russell in his first, <laughs> uh, you know, set of games with the, with the Raiders. But yeah, I, I think there was a bit too, Jeremy of this kind of perfect storm that happened where, I, th- I think there were a lot of people that were kind of underwhelmed with the way that the Lions weren't just piling on the points, right? And they weren't absolutely dominating the way that people were hoping that they would. And then that led into today. Like, that was part of the perfect storm of like, right. okay, the Lions aren't perfect. They need to make a trade because that game wasn't as dominant as it needed to be. And you had this perfect storm of, hey, here's... Insecurities. Uh, just insecurities... Right tacking on top of insecurities. You got the Baltimore game, you got the Raiders game that wasn't what it should have been, and now you got the trade deadline. It's insecurity. insecurity. Like, you're building mm. a mountain of insecurity among some Lions fans here. 100%. And it's just like 97 ones, like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> nope. To, you know, exactly. And to that point, the, that game would have been a blowout had the, like, had the Lions scored on scored a touchdown on two of the three possessions they settled for field goals on. Right. Or had not thrown a pick six there and gotten three or seven because that's a seven point swing. Um, you know, just little things like that. Had Josh Reynolds not put the ball on the ground that easily, that easily could have been a Packers game where the lions won 44 to seven or 44 to 10. So football is just a fickle game like that. That's what I would point to. The lions dominated that look at every other metric besides that one little stretch that we highlighted, Ryan, like the Lions offensive line, like Jameer Gibbs played a great game, but with a patchwork interior offensive line, the Lions line dominated the Raiders front, man. They were resetting that line of scrimmage, giving Jameer uh, cutback lanes galore. And that man is fast. My God. So, yeah, that was fun to watch. And, and you know, the Lions did the one thing that they didn't do in the Ravens game, which was respond to adversity, right? Oh. It, against the Ravens, it spiraled out of control. One thing in a hurry, in yeah. a hurry yes. that, you know, Josh Reynolds fumbles the ball. What happens on the very next play? Yep. Kirby. Kirby pick. Yep. Kirby Joseph pick the Lions. The Lions get a pick six. The next drive, they go all the way down the field and then fumble. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but then, like, what happens after that? The Ravens, or the Raiders barely get out of their own end zone. The Lions take that. And then, and then I believe they score in the next drive. What happens when the Raiders have their one offensive successful drive? The Lions have probably their best offensive drive of the season and, and an absolute statement, huge touchdown drive to end the half. 
That was that mm-hmm. was humongous in that game. And so we've seen them do that before. I believe they did that against the, the Chiefs, the very first game of the season. There were some times where you hit a bump in the road and you're like, uh oh, is this where the game is gonna fly out of control and the lines are gonna lose? Nope. They bounce back. Brian Branch makes the play. What I mean, to me, it's just that's a sign of a a a steady football team, a mentally strong football team, and a football team that's just better than you. It's just better than their opponents because in the end, when you have fluke plays happen, whether they're turnovers, whether they're penalties, whether they're missed field goals from 26 yards out, in the end, a good football team is still going to beat a bad football team. As long as the turnover margin isn't like three or higher and, and it was two in this game, the better football team is still generally going to win. And it was very clear to me, very clear to anybody watching the game, just looking at the yardage stats. The Lions were a much better football team. And to me, the mistakes were so uncharacteristic of this team that they don't worry me. Josh Reynolds had had two career fumbles in his in his entire career. Um, Craig Reynolds was down. Craig Reynolds was down. He was, man. He was down. Um, and, and Jared Goff, yes, he makes mistakes under pressure. I don't think he makes a mistake like that very often. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm still I'm, I'm still trying to figure out whether or not it was to the sideline for a throwaway or if there was right. a miscommunication with Amon Rossi Brown. And even if there was, I think it was just very clear that Jared Goff did not see Marcus Peters yeah. like. No, I, I that that he was in the end zone opposite us. But just from our vantage point, it looked like he was just trying to make like he does such a good job of killing it, like just throwing that's it in the I, dirt. Yes. He, and he, that's been I something he's been so good about this year, which is why that play was so shocking to me Bad. is that he like he is an expert at intentionally grounding without intentionally grounding this year. Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe 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 he got word and Jeremy, you didn't you didn't see the ESPN uh, or the. uh yeah, the, the the broadcast, but like they were big on the early ball that went just over Jameer Gibbs head yeah. on the first drive. And they're like, oh, like they brought in the NFL VP of officiating or whatever. Like, call it. I heard they Yeah, they were really hammering hone on on calling a an intentional grounding that wasn't called. Yeah, but the, the VP came out and was like, nope, there's a receiver like in the air. Like Jameer <laughs> Gibbs, yes, he is blocking, but like that's a receiver. And it's like, OK, maybe you might be like kind of trying to save face here for for your for your officials and stuff but like to your point yeah jared has just been like really good with that stuff and it felt like i i guess the the point i wanted to point out too is like the lions never panicked right like in terms of responding to adversity but this was a game that years ago right like i mean to even two years ago even under the dan campbell era right yeah. like this is a team that has like talent that can could get them over the hump because to your point, you're they just are a better football team. Yeah. Like the they team never trailed ago, in this they game. Didn't have the talent. Right. They never trailed, right? But it, it certainly felt like they were close to losing that for a second. It wasn't too and then game. poof. Yeah. Right? That was over. Yeah. It, um, it's been cool to see them weather storms. Like in the stadium, there was a moment of like unsure. Like I don't know if you felt it, Jeremy, where you're at, but like after the pick six, we're like, yeah. oh man. But then also like now They've kind of been through several of these storms now and like just have shown that they can make it on the other side most of the time. Like, okay, we're going to, we'll make some plays. Even, you know, Craig goes down and fumbles it after that nice drive. And you're like, come on, man. But then they just kind of kept the gas on and were able to put it away. So it's, it's been impressive to see them come like weather some of that stuff because it's going to happen. Right. Right. hundred percent. That's, and that's, that's what separates you know, bad teams from good ones is, is when the adversity hits, you're going to stay level. You're going to continue to to push. You're going to continue to win every down from there. And that's, yeah, that's what they continue to do. Um, 
Can yeah, I ask you go, a question? Yeah, there. yeah, I want to ask you a question. Um, so, and I know you haven't had the uh, you haven't had the um, privilege of getting a second watch on the game. And I know everybody who is at home, right? We have the benefit of seeing replay. But like, I want to ask you about what do you think of Ben Johnson mm-hmm. and his play calling? Yeah, specifically in the red zone. I, <laughs> I think there's work to do. I I do. And and if you're a POD direct subscriber, you, you read Brett, Brett Whitefield. Uh, very highly praising Ben Johnson for this game. And I, I think there are some interesting things he said. Um, and, 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 and there is an argument to be made that, that we get spoiled in the city with trick plays. And so when they don't work, we get extra mad because they look so good when they work, but I'm going to tell you when it's second and one in the red zone, I don't need to see cutesy stuff. I don't care how wide open Khalif Raymond was when Amon Ra had the ball in his hands. You're putting the ball in Amon Ra's hands. You're asking a wide receiver to make a quarterback read. There is an inherent risk in that so that even if everything else in the plate works well, you have the ball in Amon Ra's hand. You have the guy who has the flu, the guy who's been drinking Vernon's, making a joke there, um, all day and and drinking chicken noodle soup and is is in a fever pitch. You're asking him to make a read. Yeah, he's going to make a mistake. That's that's why teams don't do that every play. Um, and so there's unnecessary risks here and there. The, the, the goal line or red zone draw plays or what I, I think, I think we got a little on Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson in the middle of that two minute drill at the end of the half, because it actually worked out perfectly. Um, I think, I think you look kind of at the whole scope of that. They, they burned a lot of clock, even though it was frustrating to see them run a couple draw plays and seemingly just burn plays and burn time. Um, that actually worked out perfectly. So I think, I mean, I think. Obviously, a lot of people were upset in in the moment. I was one of those people. I think you, you sit on it a little bit longer, you understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, in the red zone, the thing is with the red zone is they they clearly miss David Montgomery. They're, they're trying to figure out what their identity in the red zone is right now because they don't have David Montgomery. And for as good as Jameer Gibbs was on Monday night, he's still not your goal line back. He, that's just not what he's ever going to be. He he can be he can run between the tackles, but I don't know if he can run for power, and I don't know if Craig Reynolds can run for power, and I don't know anything about Divine Zigbo, and so uh, they're they're still figuring it out. It, it's a shame that basically every person that could be a perceivable backup to David Montgomery has gone down with a serious injury so far. Um, but I think I think maybe that's what you saw on Monday night that was super frustrating is, is they don't know what their identity is in the red zone without David Montgomery. And they're just, they're trying everything. Yeah. And I think the discussion is different if Saint just makes that pass to Khalif. But <laughs> again, like you said, it's, it's a lot to put on him uh, in that situation. So yeah, I, I do hope they get some solutions ironed out over the course of the bye because the Reds for so long, like they were really, really efficient and good in the red zone. Like, okay. Like we felt good when they got down around in the, in the low red, we're like, they're going to score. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that, like you said, Jeremy was due to David Montgomery and the offensive line, just imposing their will on people. Uh, one other highlight that I want to um, point out, this was one of my big takeaways was man, good job. And he got the game ball, right. And it's Aaron Glenn. You know, he gives the game ball to, to Jerry Jacobs and to Cam Sutton. But, like, I really thought that Dan was spot on in giving him the game ball for this reason, uh, an adjustment, right? And I know it's not a mobile quarterback, right? But this is a Lions team that does not blitz. Like, they just don't blitz. Like, it's not part of who they are. They don't want to do it. They want to send four guys. Um, 
they they want to generate pressure with those four and hey trust me we're gonna have enough guys back to to make a play if, if you try to make one um they just didn't give jimmy g the opportunity to even do that because they knew that if they pressured him if they got you know defenders in his face he was going to sail passes to Devonte Adams. Like I, I get it, right? The optics of seeing a ball sail over an open Devonte Adams is like, oh my gosh, like that could have been that. Right. Well, guess what? It wasn't that because Jimmy G could make that throw if he didn't have Aiden Hutchinson in his face mask, right? Or like so the, of it, right? Like sometimes right. he didn't, but when when you get pressured on twenty of twenty seven dropbacks or whatever it was, suddenly you start seeing ghosts. <laughs> Ooh, there it yeah. is. Perfect. <laughs> it's something you don't really see when you're like watching the live broadcast, but when you're there, like he was getting blasted like several different times. Yeah. I would look at people in my section, like Sweda or whoever, and we'd be like, Ooh, you know, cause there was like a couple of times where I'm like, man, he might, he might be tapping out here in a little bit because he was taking some shots, some good legal ones yeah. too. Dude, even on that first drive, right? Like he tries to take off on that third and long and he like yeah. dives and Anzalone hits him in the back. And I was, you saw Jack Josh Campbell. Mc, you saw, oh yeah, that Jack Campbell, like with the, uh, the, the, the stability of a baby deer going <laughs> oh, through. I know, man. Like, I know. oh boy, now you're, now you're like, you're conjuring Jared Davis imagery right now. <laughs> oh man no jared davis was a dog chasing cars <laughs> but get, can i want to stick with jack campbell for a second because you yeah. talked about aaron glenn changing his philosophy being adaptable jack campbell is a perfect example of that because i was on this mic last week saying i don't get why jack campbell is an edge guy i don't see it it's not playing to his strength it's not playing to your team's strengths because jack campbell is a better off ball linebacker he's a better guy in coverage He's not good at pass rush. He, he hasn't done it. And I maybe you want to build that skill in him. And so what do they do this week? Purely off ball. Purely started off ball. too. He Got started. Start. And and I, th- yeah. I think it shocked. And, and, and what was their solution to their edge guy? It was Julian O'Quara. And Julian O'Quara has two sacks in three games, y'all. I'm not saying he's fantastic. I'm not saying he's the answer to this Sam linebacker role. But he's a hell of a better answer than Jack Campbell's. He just is. I'm sorry. Um, and 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 if that means you have to scale Jack's playing time, so be it. If that means he has to cut more into Derek Barnes's playing time, so be it. You need your best players in their best spots. They weren't putting Jack Campbell in his best spot to succeed. I commend them for trying something different. I commend them for for putting a a player they believe in in a place where they thought it could work. But I also commend them for saying didn't work. Now listen. Maybe this was a a game plan thing. Maybe this was, we don't think it's good for this week. We're going to try again next week. I hope it isn't personally, but I commend them for for at least changing it up for a game and clearly being better for it. All right. I think we're going to take a break there. We might top off uh, a little bit more of the, the Raiders game in the top of the next segment. I know we're kind of mixing topics in the middle of segments, but we are definitely going to close things out by looking forward by week ahead. But what does this mean for the Lions going forward now being six and two? How high can the hopes be? How big of a mistake was it for them not to add another player to be at the top of the NFC? And a whole lot more coming on the final segment of the POD cast. We will be right back.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Friday Detroit podcast, cleaning things up here. Final segment of the podcast. Uh, before we move on to kind of future stuff, uh, I think we, we kind of skipped over a major part of the game that I feel like we need to address because it's very exciting. It was maybe the biggest development from Monday night's game, and that is Jameer Gibbs, uh, an absolute masterclass of a performance, um, puts up the the best numbers of a Lions running back this year. Given, I mean, Dave Montgomery's had one hell of a year, but he hasn't put up 152 yards in the single game before uh, with the Lions. 152 yards, 5.8 a carry, a touchdown. Adds 34 through the air as well. Uh, Morgan, I want to throw it to you first, I guess. Just how great of a game was this for Jameer Gibbs? And I guess to you, what is what does this mean going forward? Because I think some people are, are understandably looking forward and saying, well, David Montgomery might be healthy after this bye. What now? Yeah, I mean... You look at Gibb, this performance was just everything that people have been clamoring for, right? Like a lot of the fantasy football community, you know who you are if you think I'm talking about you. <laughs> um, uh, it was just impressive to see him carry the load, touch the ball a ton, um, racked up a bunch of uh, yardage on the ground and through the air. Uh, it was cool to see the offensive line really start, you know, wearing on the Raiders front as the game went on. So, yeah, just a really impressive. He showed really good vision too. some of that stuff that the you know that stuff that he showed at Alabama that really endeared him to Brad Holmes and the rest of the Lions staff so yeah I was really happy to see it and it's going to be cool to see if they can get him and Montgomery rolling at the same time because that gives you a nice little thunder and lightning combo Brian what are your thoughts on his night yeah so I I thought I almost wanted the beginning of that game to be Ben Johnson just trolling the fantasy football community because it felt like we were getting Jameer Gibbs out of a fire hose. It was like (laughs) we we wanted just like a solid like we want a solid drink. And then it was just like, here's the whole thing. We're just going to him on every play. It's like he's catching the ball. He's running the ball. He's doing everything. And um, it was really encouraging to see him get better as the game went on, right? Like that was the thing that was super encouraging to me as somebody who realizes how, you know, just like central David Montgomery is to this, this Lions offense and their identity when it comes to wanting to establish the run. Like this was Jameer Gibbs coming out party. Like he's, he's here. And what a great problem it is for the Lions to have, because I I think it was Scott Van Pelt who asked uh, Ryan Clark about this on the broadcast after the Monday night football game, where it's like, does this like does this get weird? Like because the running back two kind of has a performance like this, and then it's like, okay, well, what do we do moving forward? He's like, what's that like? And uh, you know, Ryan Clark just kind of summed it up as, you know, well, you, you just you have that guy in your room now. You know what I mean? It's not like kind of voicing the idea, Jeremy, that like if there's a coaching staff that's going to insulate itself and prevent itself from ever having some kind of you know, petty RB one or RB two thing. That's not even on the table. It's just like, now you have two horses yeah, in the room. You know what I right. mean? And it's like, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. And, and I get some of the, the consternation about it. I think a lot of people just want 
it to be the Jameer Gibbs show from now on. And and in some cases, I, I totally get that. I, I get the argument, too, of like rhythm, right? Um, you know, I, I have a feeling when when this those two guys are healthy, it might be kind of a drive by drive thing where they're going to give the ball to Montgomery one drive. It'll be the Jameer Gibbs drive the next. And 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 if you ask players, that does disrupt disrupt rhythm sometimes. But we've also heard this coaching staff say, we'll go by rhythm and then whoever is feeling it, we'll we'll ride with them the rest of the way and, and or until it stops working. And that's OK. That's OK that some days David Montgomery might get 20 carries the next day. The next week, it's it's Jameer. It's okay if if it is a, a timeshare. It's okay as long as it keeps working. And we've seen now the offense work under David Montgomery. We've seen the offense now work under Jameer Gibbs. And so whatever works, whatever week, that's fine. Maybe maybe it'll be game plan based. Maybe they need a more physical runner against this defense, and they they can they need a more north south guy. The next week, maybe Jameer Gibbs takes more of a receiver role. Maybe now that he's had a little bit more comfort. They're going to trust him a little bit more on third downs because he's shown improvement in pass protection. Maybe he does slide into more of a receiving role while David Montgomery is your lead back. That wouldn't surprise me either. But now the Lions have options, and that's not an that's not a problem. <laughs> that is that is a good solution. You're talking about depth. You're talking about different weapons. You're talking about being able to attack defenses in different ways with different players. It's great. It's great. And I don't I don't have the answer. I don't know what they're going to come out when both these guys are healthy. I do suspect that David Montgomery will probably assume the majority of the carries, but I think it's going to be a lot closer to a 50-50 split than it than it was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and you it's going to it's going to bode well for the Lions chances as the season wears on, right? Where like it's really really going to matter, you know, if, you know, knock on wood that they're in the playoffs in January and you have to if you have two healthy running backs like Jameer showed last night and then Montgomery showed through this first half of the season. You're going to be cooking, man, yeah. the Lions offensive line. So the, the, the last thing I'll, I'll say on it and Ryan, if you, you have something else you want to top it off with as well is. Listen, like we, we saw we kind of saw like the tip of the iceberg of the two running back sets when when both were healthy, healthy. I think we could see a lot more of that, because if there's one thing that I think you should take beyond the fact that Jameer Gibbs looks like a between the tackles runner that, that maybe some people didn't think he was. I think trust is, is, is what is the biggest thing that he's earned over these last two, three weeks. The coaching staff trusts him. Now we, we know how important trust is with a guy like JMO. They can't trust JMO yet. So he's still only getting 30% of snaps, 40% of snaps. I think they trust Jameer Gibbs enough now to put more on his plate. It's the same thing with Jack Campbell. It's the same thing with Sam Laporta. Once you show that you're capable of doing multiple things and doing them, being in the right place, pass protecting, running, running your routes, all that sort of stuff, you build that trust. You're going to you're going to play more. And so now and, and they already trust the hell out of David Montgomery. So now I think they are going to find ways to get both those guys out there, whereas early in the season, they just didn't trust Jameer Gibbs left yet. Yeah. And and this might be a, a tinfoil hat theory. And this last thing I'll say about Gibbs, but last night's performance kind of affords you the opportunity to be like, rest up Monty. Like we're not going to force you back. Right. We're not sure. going to rush you back. Yeah. You know, because I think that again, for as good as Gibbs looked last night, which was awesome. 
it was just as encouraging to see the way that Craig Reynolds played. Like, Very I, true. you know, kind yeah. of throw away, the, throw away the fumble. But like, I think that you have two guys right there who now you have some trust going into the bye week. And, and it wasn't just because I, I think everybody made the assumption that, oh, all right, well, you know, the Lions are missing some big pieces in the middle on their offensive line. Well, they're just going to, you know, probably run a lot of zone with with Jameer Gibbs. Right. Yeah. That would be the assumption. Um, I'll tell you that his split, according to PFF, on his carries were 14 zone runs to 11 gap runs. And this is a team that loves to run gap. And yep. that's what Dave Montgomery's bread and butter is. But when it's almost 50-50 with Jameer, that's pretty encouraging. No doubt. Yeah, it's, it's leaning into what he's really good at. And yeah, you said it all right, you know, right there, Ryan. I just, uh, it's... It'll be interesting and use using him more in money down situations, right? Like when, like your point, Jeremy, like trusting them to me with this coaching staff, that means like you're in on, you know, like a second half, third down, like we got to have a stop or we got to have a conversion. So yeah, it's exciting to have more at your disposal on those downs. No question. All right, let's move on to kind of a big picture question or two. And then uh, I want to close out with a little bit of an announcement for our listening audience, but, uh, Okay, so the lines are six and two. We're at the bye week. They're second place in the NFC. Where do we think this thing is going? Where, to, where, where's the ceiling? Where, where's the basement? I, I guess let's start with there. Is anything other than an NFC title acceptable? Like if they, if they were to slide in NFC North, NFC North. Sorry, NFC North. Okay, title, not I NFC, not like, NFC whoa, title. Whoa. Sorry, <laughs> NFC North title. Like Lord, um. I think we can all probably that that's almost more of a hypothetical. I think we can all agree if this team doesn't win the NFC North disaster is probably a strong word because who knows what, what happens between now and then, but that is the bare minimum expectation of the season now, right? Without a doubt, Morgan, I think you look at even if anything catastrophic were to happen, I feel like they're a team that's just equipped to, Okay, well, we can pivot to the run game a lot, right? Could we do something serviceable in the passing game? Like they could make it happen. You know what I mean? They have such a lead built. And I think it's more so the Cousins news, though, that kind of like almost to me. And for as much as we kind of talked about Dobbs a little bit in the first segment, they're so far in the rearview mirror. I think the rest of the NFC North that I would agree, Jeremy, I think it would be like it'd be a be a pretty big disappointment. Okay, well, then let, yeah. let, let me leave you with with a, a, a bit of a trickier question, and maybe a little bit more negative of one. If you if you if you let me wet blanket this for a second, what is your biggest concern about the team going forward? What is the one thing where you're just like this? This is the reason why they might not be amongst the top tier teams. What is the one either inconsistency that you've seen among the team, one position, coaching situation? What what's the one thing that that might limit this team ceiling? Because we know where their floor is. There's there's obviously a lot of debate because of what happened in Baltimore about what their ceiling is. So what is the one thing I guess that you guys are are concerned that might cap this team's potential? Well, you know, I think one thing that gets said about the Lions a lot is they lack star power. And I'm not sure I agree with that. Like, I think they have stars. They're just younger and they're still on their like upward trajectory of becoming like a star with a capital S like St. Brown and Hutchinson and Sewell and so on and so forth. Right. But 
I, I still do think that the Lions lack depth at a few key areas and outside corner is one of them. Um, just for the time being, like if that could be, you know, pretty close to a disaster, like you lose someone like Cam Sutton or Jerry Jacobs for any length of time, uh, it could be troublesome. So that's something that still worries me that might hinder the Lions in the in the long run. Yeah, feels like that secondary is a bit of a house of cards at the moment. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Ryan, what about you? Yeah, you know, I I, I guess I, I think it's still this team's approach to defending mobile quarterbacks, but that's a question that I think at least can be answered in the second half of the season, right? Because like they're they're going to play some, right? Like if Justin Fields is healthy, they're going to see one. Um, if they, you know, if, if Josh Dobbs is playing, you know, they might see him a couple times. Like, I think that you're at least going to get an opportunity to get more data points, but like, I think that's my biggest concern right now is the data point of, again, it's not a guy who's a running quarterback, right? We talked about this before with, yep. with Lamar, like he's, he's an entirely different kind of player, but just mobile, right? The guys who can extend plays like Mahomes and, you know, Jalen Hurts, and he's even more of a kind of running I guess, quote unquote quarterback, but guys who can just extend plays, those teams are going to be around, yeah. you know what I mean? Like in the playoffs, right? You, you have the Eagles, um, you know, you have Gino who's, who's, who's beaten you a few times. Um, you have the 49ers who their, their defense is obviously their, their bread and butter, but like you have to trust in Kyle Shanahan. But like, I think that's ultimately my concern is like, how can they handle those quarterbacks? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to stick with the defensive side of the ball as well, which is, I think, clearly all of our anxieties are kind of surrounded by, and, and understandably so, Ben Johnson has proven himself for, I think, long enough to to have belief that even during some rough patches over the past couple of weeks here, he's still the right guy and they'll still figure things out. Um, pass rush. To me, pass rush is just still too inconsistent. It was obviously good against the Raiders, but it I mean, they had to be very aggressive to pressure as much as they did. And I understand their pressure rate was the highest the NFL has seen in five years, and that's great, and it's an awesome statistic, but I can't look past the fact that the Lions aren't getting a lot of guys that are winning one-on-ones. They need to be sending that extra pressure to get there. They they don't have a guy opposite Aiden Hutchinson that that can consistently win right now. Ali McNeil is having one hell of a year, and I think we, we can't overlook that, but outside of those two, who is a guy that you expect to win consistently on the starting defensive line, on the second-team defensive line? Maybe James Houston comes back in December and, and and helps with that. But we also have to remember where James Houston was with this team when he got injured. The guy getting 10 to 15 snaps a game. I'm not sure where that helps come from. And I, I understand that's why a lot of people are mad today. They didn't get the, the guys they wanted in the trade deadline. It's a future project. They're, they're able to find ways to generate pressure. I think their their back end is playing well enough where they, they can get some coverage sacks. But I don't know where they get those consistent pressures that you're going to need particularly when you play mobile quarterbacks when you play better quarterbacks luckily the lines don't have a ton of great quarterbacks on their schedule but once we're talking about the games that that really really matter because we all agree this team is going to win the division they're going to host a home playoff game they're going to play some good quarterbacks in the postseason that's where i'm wondering where they're going to get the pressure and, and 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 if they can survive a game that they don't get pressure yeah and and I think to that point, the the one thing I want to kind of underline is that like everybody in the league is playing bad quarterbacks, right? Yeah. So I mean, like I, I think that's a unfair criticism for the Lions to say, like, well, I mean, yeah, they beat Desmond Ritter and they beat Jordan Love and they've beaten a bunch of these bad. Okay, but like you can't just say that they had did all that and then, but they also beat Pat Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like right. 
So everybody in the league is playing bad quarterbacks, but I do think that there's another level to the defenses that play well against good quarterbacks, right? Like it's like the Bengals of the world, right? It's, it's some of those defenses that no matter how good the quarterback is, they have a game plan to match it. And I think that what you're kind of saying, Jeremy, with, you know, the, the getting pressure and things like that. And I think with me too, with the mobile quarterbacks, it comes back to like, are the lions malleable enough on defense, right? Like is Aaron Glenn enough to kind of switch up situationally? Cause I think that that's, that's my, that's one of my big concerns. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Uh, to close things out, I did say we have a little bit of an announcement and that is, well, by the time you're listening to this, it is officially November, which means around these parts, it is Movember, where uh, myself, I grow out a mustache, uh, much to the the happiness of former Lions running backs coach Deuce Staley. But it's not the only thing we do. We raise money for a charity of uh, our choosings. And uh, I'm here to announce that we're raising money again for the Alzheimer's Association this year. Um, we raised over $25,000 for them last year. We are aiming for a much higher number this year. Um, <clears throat> there's going to be a post on Pride of Detroit on whatever Wednesday morning, uh, giving you all sorts of details on the things you can win with your, um, in, in including some automatic prizes, which is a new feature. Um, normally, every donation enters a raffle. There are certain tiers where you win automatic prizes, uh, including some pretty cool gifts that that I'll let you know about. On Wednesday, um, we are also supporting the Humane Society of Western Michigan this year through our auction. There's going to be some amazing auction prizes this year, including some one-of-a-kind things like a Mina Kimes water color painting of Panay Sewell. That's that's real. That's that's a real thing that we have and are going to be auctioning off. Um, I've seen it in person. Yeah. It's real. It's very real. Um, signed footballs from, from the biggest stars on, on the Detroit Lions. We're going to be giving away game tickets for the final game of the the regular season. Um, Ryan's going to be signing Malik Willis trading cards. Rookie um, cards. And, and it's all made more fun by our live watching experience. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, I would highly recommend getting in tune with our YouTube and our Twitch because we do humiliating things to ourselves the entire month. Based on your uh, your donations, you can get us to eat gross things, write things on our face, um, mute us dirt in the middle of a podcast, all sorts of really awesome things. So head to prideofdetroit.com. Look for our logo with a big mustache. It's going to have all sorts of information about the drive, um, including all those prizes you can win, including ways you can donate and help out. Um, so, yeah, check that out. Um, but until next time, we'll, we'll close things out there. For Morgan, I want to appreciate you. Uh, I want to say I appreciate you joining in, filling in last minute here on a Halloween night. Um, Ryan, as always, bringing it. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. Well, it's always spooky here. It's always spooky. Here. <laughs> and for everyone who hung around on our live uh, stream, for everyone who is listening at home, thank you so much. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>